mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, everybody. Before we get started today, we are having a conversation with Emily Nagoski, who is an incredible writer and sexual health expert. And so we are going to talk about some difficult things. The trigger warning is... Specifically, I read to Emily parts of Twilight that we have skipped before, Jacob convincing Bella to kiss him and all of that. So if this is an episode that you want to skip, we totally understand, and we will be back to a regular episode next week. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is not your usual episode of Twilight in Quarantine. We are going to have a different kind of episode of Hot and Bothered this week in which it is just me and I will be talking to the great Emily Nagoski, who is one of my favorite writers. When I was officiating weddings, the only book that I would require people to read was Emily's first book, Come As You Are, which is incredible. And if you haven't read it yet, go read it. But she is also the author of Burnout, which she co-authored with her twin sister, which I just read and recommended in our newsletter because it made me cry (laughs) with feeling seen. And for eight years, Emily worked as a lecturer and the director of wellness education at Smith College before transitioning to full-time writing and speaking. So she now gives trainings to professionals, teaching college students and other lay people and is learning more every day about the science and art of sexual well-being. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. It is my pleasure. So I know that you haven't read the Twilight books, but can you tell us what you do know about them? I have seen one of the movies. Okay. So I know that it's a vampire, werewolf, teenage girl love triangle. Mm -hmm. I know that Bella is an empty vessel of a heroine with no personality traits to speak of, other than the fact that she is uh, magnetically irresistible to both of the heroes. She gives birth and almost dies. And the the symbolism of almost dying in childbirth, and the only way she can be saved is by being bitten and becoming a vampire herself. It's really, in burnout, we use this phrase, human giver syndrome, where uh, Mm -hmm. women have a moral obligation to be pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others, sacrificing everything they have, including their bodies, their lives, their hopes and dreams on the altar of other people's comfort and convenience. And there could be no more symbolic representation of that than almost literally dying to give birth and the only salvation being to become a vampire, be bitten and become a vampire. That's that's what I know. <laughs> I mean, that's actually a lot. I'm impressed. Okay, so I'm going to walk you through what I think are the essential 
plot points for you to know in order for me to ask my questions. Is that okay? So you got most of this. So Bella falls in love with Edward. Edward falls in love with Bella. Edward is a vampire. Jacob falls in love with Bella. Bella says, nope, not interested. Jacob keeps loving Bella, keeps telling Bella. Bella keeps saying no. Jacob kisses Bella. Bella punches him in response. And then she breaks her hand punching him because he's so strong. And that is supposed to be funny. Later, Bella says to Jacob, I don't think of that as a kiss. I think of it as an assault. And his response is, ouch, that's cold. So Bella's like, I choose Edward. I love Edward. You're just my friend. And Jacob says, I'm going to go fight in this war and let fate take care of it unless you stop me. I'm going to read you just a minute of it because it's so bad. Jacob starts. There's a pretty serious fight brewing down there. I don't think it would be that difficult to take myself out of the picture. Oh, no, Jake. No, no, no. I choked out in horror. What's the difference, Bella? This will only make it more convenient for everyone. No, Jacob, I won't let you. How will you stop me? I'm begging you. I love you, Bella. I love you, Jacob. I know that better than you do. He turned to walk away. Anything, I called after him. Anything you want. Just don't do this. I don't think you really mean that. I don't have to do anything deliberate. I could just do my best for my pack and let what happens happen. Unless you stop me. How can I stop you? You could ask me. Will you kiss me, Jacob? Then it says, I knew he would take advantage of the situation. I expected it. I held very still. I could feel his anger as his mouth discovered my passive resistance. As soon as he was sure I wouldn't drop my arm, he freed my wrist, his hand feeling his way, whatever. Then he says, you can do better than that, Bella. For once, just let yourself feel what you feel. But then here's the conclusion, Emily. Jacob was right. He'd been right all along. He was more than just my friend. I was in love with him. Just what are your thoughts? Wow. Who I uh, do not regret not reading the books. Okay. Because the main reason is I actually hear enough of this kind of story in real life not to need to read a fictional version of it. Like it's not, it doesn't deserve more of my time and attention just because it's written in a book. So on the one hand, yikes, wow. And on the other hand, yeah, this is what we teach girls. Okay, I agree. Explain what the this is. What is what we teach girls? One, we teach girls to believe other people's opinions about their bodies and their internal experience more than they believe their own bodies and internal experience. So he knows better than she does that she loves him. Does he though? That was the moment of the biggest disappointment of the book for me. Like I was like, she doesn't love you. She doesn't love you. Because for two books, he's pursuing her. And she's like, no. And then when she says he was right, I loved him. I was like, what? Yeah. And so another thing we teach girls is that surrender and being chased are the same thing as love. Yeah. That not wanting someone 
to get hurt or die is the same thing as owing them anything they want in order to prevent them from getting hurt and dying. This gets used against women a whole bunchy. There was a totally unironic New York Times op-ed by Ross Douthat that said that, you know, incels wouldn't kill people if only women would have sex with them. Like it's women's jobs to prevent murderous sociopaths who are pathologically lonely. We ought to be surrendering our bodies on the altar of the public good having sex with these people so that they don't hurt themselves and other people. Women are expected to sacrifice everything they have and that that is the equivalent of love. Nothing in this dynamic has any relationship to love, nothing. So if there's any young people listening to this and you're like, what does love feel like? None of that is anything like what love feels like. And it is weird to me that anyone would follow this story and be like, oh, he knew her so well. But people do, right? Smart women do, right? Why? And I, I'm guessing your answer is patriarchy, right? Yeah. So there's patriarchy. And then there are smart women reading these books and loving the idea of this man who knows you better than you know yourself. How did we get from patriarchy to here? So it's comparatively new. Up until about 1650 or 1700, the narrative around women's sexuality was that we were the more sexually rapacious of the two sexes. And we had to be controlled, put our bodies under lock and key. Otherwise, the men who owned us would not have full control of our bodies because we would be, you know, out there having sex with people and having babies who are not the genetic material of the men who owned our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until there was this transition leading up to about 1800 where more and more women's voices were heard, basically. And what those women were saying was, no. It is not that we want all the sex. It's that people are raping us. So we don't have any desire for sex. We don't desire sex. And people kind of liked this narrative, the idea that actually men are forcing women to have sex and women don't want anything. And so therefore a good, pure, middle-class, well-educated woman has no interest in sex at all. And that has evolved a little bit over the last 200 or so years to a place where we're expected to be both things simultaneously, neither desirous of any kind of sex, but also very, very horny all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that has worked out for us. And in none of these instances are women granted individual autonomy or recognition of variability. And within the context of the women don't want any sex at all, the only way for women to experience sexual pleasure, which we want to do through our stories, like there's a reason why all of these stories exist. For a long time, the only way that a character, a woman character in a story was allowed to experience sexual pleasure was if the sex was happening against her will. Hmm. And that explains the flame in the flower for example. I don't know what that is. Oh, Flame and the Flower, Catherine Woodyweiss. It's a 1970s era romance novel that like set the standard for modern romance novels. And basically we've been evolving from there into where we are now, where there's a lot of concern about active consent, for example. But in the 1970s, the only way you could read 
a woman-focused story that involved sexual pleasure was for the hero to just like have sex with her even though she didn't want it. And eventually she wouldn't be able to help herself and she would realize that she actually does love him and does want this. And the hero's experience is that he is a rake and a rogue and just wants the sex, but realizes through the experience of her squeaky clean vagina that what he wants is to settle down. It's really just a continuance of a narrative that's been in place for over 200 years. Why has it been so entrenched for so long when not only all the science, but also all the social versus activism over that time has been about women's basic bodily autonomy, variability among women, and our permission to experience pleasure and permission to say no if we want to. Why has it been so slow? The answer is the patriarchy has a vested interest in making sure we hate ourselves and that we police each other. I don't know if we're ready to get to like the solutions to this problem, but the solution ultimately is we deal with our own shit. We heal the damage that has been done to us by a world that lies to us in every conceivable way about our bodies, especially the ways that it is inadequate and failing. Then as we practice healing, we stop taking our pain out on other women. We stop tearing other women down, policing them, and judging their bodies and choices. So that's exactly the tension I feel about judging Twilight, though, because so many women love Twilight, right? And I don't want to police other women. I want to say, you love Twilight? Great, right? Like, you and I talked, God, like two years ago now about the power of good romance novels. And yes. You wrote two of my favorites. There's a lot of consent in mine. There's so much consent in yours. There's begging in yours. It's great. The secret is you put the hero into therapy. (laughs) Yes. So how would you balance in talking to women who love Twilight, respecting them and respecting their fantasy, while also trying to lovingly point to the places where, like, I really believe that these texts are harmful? Unless they asked me, I wouldn't. (laughs) Are they asking by downloading the podcast? That's a really good question. Let's assume somebody does ask me, like in real life. Right. They say, look, I loved these books. And yet I hear women shitting on them all the time. And men. Like everyone mocks them loving these books, which I hate. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's so misogynist to mock things that are mostly by and for and about women. Right. And so I would begin by like acknowledging, here are the things that lots of people like about it. Tell me some of the things that you like about it. And then that opens the door to all those things make sense to me, given that women's role in their daily lives is to be human givers, to be pretty happy, calm, generous, and constantly attentive to the needs of others, to sacrifice their time, their attention, their politeness, their smiles, their bodies, their hopes and dreams, sometimes their lives on the altar of other people's comfort and convenience. And so it is hugely pleasurable to immerse yourself in a story with someone who doesn't have to be subservient all the time, who is in fact in demand and doesn't have to make the relationship happen, doesn't have to make the connection happen. In fact, he is trying really hard to make it happen. And all she has to do is surrender and it will all be there waiting for her. And it's there and you don't have to work so fucking hard all the time to like 
help your partner understand what your needs are. Right. That makes perfect sense to me. And in that context, the dynamic that's happening, if it happens in real life, is unambiguously abusive. So talk a little bit about that, because I'm simultaneously interested in the idea, right, that conflict is not abuse, right. that relationships are complicated. But I completely agree that, like, this dynamic that I read to you between Jacob and Bella, like, that is manipulative abuse. It's gaslighting. Yes. Can you just talk a little bit about the boundaries of that? Gaslighting in a professional situation, most of us find fairly easy to recognize and accept. It's where you feel one way and people are assuring you, no, no, that's not happening. No, no, that's not actually what the situation is. You're totally wrong. You don't even know your own internal experiences. And when it happens in real life in a relationship, it's deeply uncomfortable because here's a person that we care about and trust who's telling us that something that is true in our internal experience is not true. Again, we're trained from birth. If you are born in a body that makes everybody go, it's a girl, they give you this user's manual for your body. And one of the most important notes in the user's manual is if someone tells you what's happening in your body, they're right. And your interpretation of your internal experience is wrong. And someone who takes advantage of that gender scripting is hurting you. It may be intentional. In this case, it is obviously, definitely, clearly, intentionally as a vested interest in making sure she disbelieves her own internal experience. And then what makes this poor writing is that the kiss unlocks a door to a thing that never existed before in the story. Yes. That's just bad writing. Is that all it is? Because my most generous read was that, and this is, I think, based on the conversation you and I had a couple years ago, like, my most generous read is that she got turned on by the kiss and, like, was like, oh, I guess I do love him. Because there's no difference between arousal and love. Right. Could be. If I remember correctly, that was one of your big complaints about Fifty Shades of Grey, that like she's constantly confusing arousal with consent, right? Yeah. No, he tells her. Yeah. So after the very first spanking scene, she, I, I read really closely for any word about pleasure, right? And there's not one. Her face hurts from squinching it up so tight she's been struggling to get away. And at the end, Christian Grey, our hero, puts his fingers in her vagina and says, feel this, Anastasia. See how much your body likes this. You're soaking just for me. And I request that it be rewritten as Feel This Anastasia. Feel how sex-related your brain considers contact with your butt and genitals. That gives me no information about whether you wanted or liked it. Did you want or like it? No. Well, I had better read Emily Nagoski's book, so I have a clue next time. (laughs) But the worst part about it for me, is that though she later goes on to describe this spanking experience as feeling uh, debased, abused, and degraded or something like that, mm-hmm. still she believes him instead. Yeah. She believes that because her body did a thing, she must have wanted and liked it, even though everything else about her internal experience is like, no. So if this is, as you suggest, in a generous reading... And again, I didn't hear anything about pleasure of any kind Yeah, in any of this writing. I didn't skip it. I skipped a lot, but I did not skip any pleasure. So 
if she experienced pleasure with the kiss and has been raised as a girl and has been taught that there is no difference between sexual pleasure and being in love, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's just the only thing that I can think, right? Like, he threatens to, like, let himself die in battle in order to manipulate her into requesting a kiss. And up until that point, she has literally, for two books, said, I wish I could be in love with him, but I'm not. I'm just not. And yet when he coerces her to kiss him, she suddenly, after minutes of him forcing her and, like, coaxing her to do better— is like, oh, he was right. Yeah, that she's not participating in the kiss. Right. You can do better. I know. I know. I can say that I, as a reader of romance from the age of 11, definitely learned scripts about relationships from a combination of women's magazines and romance novels. Um, Plus, of course, my family of origin. Not one of those three sources was remotely helpful in teaching me to create healthy relationships in my life. (laughs) That happened when I started reading the research because that's the kind of nerd I am. So I know from personal experience that the stories you read do teach you how you think love is supposed to go. You read a story like this and you think it's really possible that a kiss can make you realize, oh my gosh, I do love this person after two solid novels of not loving this person. Truly not how it works. I mean, if a person is so out of touch with their own internal experience, a kiss is not what makes them be suddenly in touch with their own internal experience. There are important stories to tell about women being out of touch with their own internal experience, with their bodies, and like, what is it that allows us finally to realize what's happening inside ourselves? But for her to be so thoroughly in tune with her desire and affection for Edward... And just like shut out of her experience with Jacob is not temperamentally realistic. A wall is a wall is a wall. If you've got a wall up, it blocks everything. If you don't have a wall up, it doesn't block anything. Yeah. So again, I think it's just bad storytelling. I will say that the thing that we hear most from our listeners is, oh my God, I loved this so much 15 years ago when I read it for the first time. And now I'm reading it and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And the other thing is is that we hear from listeners who, you know, have lost loved ones and are like the idea of a vampire who like I get eternity with. And I'm like, yes, I totally get the fantasy of that, right? And what I would say maybe my diagnosis is that romance, traditional romance gets shit on so much that women felt shame about reading it. The Twilight book sort of broke through for whatever reason. And so women felt permission to read these romance novels, hadn't read, according to us, better ones. And we're just like, oh my God, the idea of eternity, the idea of being wanted, right? Like these basic ideas were just so radical to read that that first experience with that was so overwhelming and moving to them, right? And I think a lot of these women have moved on to better romance novels in the meantime and look back now and are like, oh, I can't believe that's where I started. All our faves are problematic, basically. Is oh, yeah. My favorite book is Jane Eyre. He like, our hero locks a woman in an attic for 10 years. Yeah. And there's a conflation of her being insane and a woman of color. Right. Awesome. And... 
he is convinced that he's doing the like noble thing. The, the good yeah. thing. He could have locked her in like a damp attic in another house. Or in an asylum. Did right? he do that? No. No. He's a good <laughs> right. man. I know. And that's my favorite book. So God help me. What I would love for us to do, if you could send me the titles of like five of your favorite romance novels that you are like, this is not only fun to read, but like there is no abuse here. Yeah. I would love to like put that in the show notes and I'll do the same. I'll just send you a picture of my keeper shelf. Yes, that would be great. And we will put it on Instagram so that everybody can see, right? Like Twilight is great if you love it and love it in the way that you really love something, which is acknowledging all of its faults and its problems and your mixed feelings about it and loving it anyway. And we are going to send you all some books to read that we think might be easier to love. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So because this is technically an advice show where we give advice to Bella and really mostly to Edward and Jacob, but we give advice to characters in the books, we're wondering if you just wanted to end on a piece of advice for Bella. My advice is actually based on my very wide reading of sexual coming-of-age memoirs. Hmm. I want that list too. My advice is begin practicing yoga. Can you say more about that? Because I hate yoga, so convince me. Sure. And it doesn't have to be yoga. It can be Pilates. It can be Tai Chi. My sister practices Tai Chi. Any form of body moving mindfulness will fill the bill because uh, there is only benefit to be had from increasing your non-judgmental awareness of your own internal experience if what persuades a person to begin practicing yoga is that they're going to have a better sex life, I can pretty much guarantee you that if you begin practicing yoga, you'll have a better sex life. Begin opening the doors of all the things we have been taught to shut out. And only good can come of that. I cannot promise only pleasure comes of it or only comfort. There will be lots and lots of discomfort. Um, but it doesn't seem like she's too unfamiliar with discomfort. She's more unfamiliar with pleasure, joy, ease. And so without ever having to understand why she's doing it, Bella, I'm going to ask you to spend one year practicing yoga four times a week. And get back to me. How long does she have to do it every day? Like is 15 minutes enough? Yes. Great. Emily, thank you so much. 
We are going to like majorly link to Come As You Are and Burnout and How Not to Fall and How to Let Go. I am an Emily Nagoski completist. That's amazing. I'm a super fan. In the new audiobook version of Come As You Are, uh-huh. I got Nicholas Bolton to voice the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so he reads those lines from Christian Grey. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So everyone yeah. go get the audiobook of the new edition of Come As You Are. Every bride I spoke to was like, this book changed my life. So I'm so glad. This episode of Hot and Bothered was produced by Ariana Nettleman and facilitated by me. And we want to thank Emily Nagoski for being an amazing guest. Twilight in Quarantine was conceived of as a vampire baby by Julia Argy and were distributed by Acast. Thanks so much, everyone. And we will talk to you next week. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com